Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. So I am sitting here with one of the most incredible people in my life, and I cannot wait to introduce all of you. I really wish you were my very first interview that I did, Megan, a long time ago, but I know that timing is everything, and it was supposed to be now, and I'm so glad that it is, and, and I cannot wait for everyone to get to know you. And I have to tell you, I listened to the YouTube video of when you spoke to all my palmetto schools. And I couldn't stop crying. So I'm going to do everything I can to not cry during this, just mostly because I'm just so darn proud of you. You're, just, you're like a baby to me. You're like my child. And to see everything that you've gone through. And, and it's just amazing because I haven't seen any of my students uh, fight as hard as you have. And, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to call this be all in because everything that you do, you're all in. And so I just want to uh, talk about that. But first and foremost, uh, Megan Herrera Schaff, because she is married and has two children, two beautiful children, by the way. And so from a young age, her, um, she had a passion. Uh, so honoring her talents as a hairstylist, she went to Great Lakes Academy of Paul Mitchell Partner School. That was the old name of our school. It went through so many names here in Port Huron, Michigan, Megan. And so you got it when it was the second name, I believe. And now it's Paul <laughs> School, Great Lakes. <laughs> and so you were in it from the very beginning. So uh, you had, the, uh, I think, the first three years that we started out as a Paul Mitchell School. So you started to get it. And the interesting thing was uh, your story started with my very first guest speaker that I ever had that I ever could afford to have in that school. Well, actually, I couldn't afford him uh, as Dean Banowitz, but I knew I had to have him. There was something about Dean that just drew me to him. And so I knew I had to have him in the school. And so he was our first one and we became fast friends. He got us addicted to Starbucks. So my husband and I are addicted <laughs> to Starbucks and sushi. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> of the door. Yes. To us for all of that. But so you got to meet him, me not even knowing that this was your dream at the time, because I think most people don't know, right. When we have guest speakers in our elementary schools. And so, uh, so you won, you won this incredible competition. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but between uh, 2012 and 2016, your career took off. You worked alongside the best artists in the industry. Get this. Um, she started King and department heading for both television and major motion pictures. Her work in television included The League, Marry Me, American Idol, The Voice, World of Dance, America's Got Talent. Her big achievements include Walk of Shame, Pitch Perfect 2, and most recently, Jack Richards 2, starring Tom Cruise. Oh my God, we have to talk about Tom Cruise, because he <laughs> he's my heart prob. Don't let Brian hear this. <laughs> Since then, Megan has not only become a four-time Emmy-nominated hairstylist, but she has taken on her most challenging job and her prou proudest accomplishment in April of 2016. She became a mom. 
for the first time to a beautiful baby girl, Parker Dawn. And in January of 2019, she welcomed her second baby girl, uh, Dylan Louise, with two children now. Megan had found the balance between the love she had for her career and the love she has for a family. But this was just the beginning for Megan as she was faced with her biggest challenge yet. May 30th of 2019, Megan was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer at four months postpartum. Never being given a prognosis, she knew exactly what she was up against and how much work it would take to save her life. When Megan became diagnosed at 35 years old with an amazing husband, two beautiful children, and the career she always wanted, she knew that this all had to be happening to her for a much bigger reason. While she spent the last year fighting for her life, she somehow managed to create a company alongside her partner, Alice Moore, called Love Beats All. Her goal is for one day when the next generation of fighters, survivors, and caregivers who hear the words, you have cancer, for the first time, know that they have a fighting chance to live a long, happy, and healthy life. While Megan is still in the fight, she is trying to take life one day at a time and live in the feeling of feeling good. She remains grateful for every opportunity and experience that comes her way and hopes that her messages of always say yes, always be grateful, be kind to one another, and love beats all, even if it's just for another day, will be absorbed for the many generations to follow. What a legacy, Megan, that you're leaving for your family and I'm just, I'm astounded by your bravery. And I just, I love the hope. You're such a hope dealer. <laughs> you know. And so, but first and foremost, Tom Crows. Okay. You're talking <laughs> with Tom Crows. <laughs> talking. <laughs> I can't believe I made a movie with him still. And I, I consider him a, a friend even all these years later. It's kind of crazy, but. He's a friend. Yeah, you know, he knows of our journey. He's been really supportive. And, you know, I think the biggest compliment I got from him was to be invited to go and shoot Top Gun 2. And I actually wow. started that and did some, re uh, we did like two weeks of prep and pre-shooting with him and Val Kilmer. I was able to give Val Kilmer the new, or the original Iceman haircut. And so it was just, I felt like it was a part of history for a moment in time. And then when they actually went to go and make the movie, I had to so graciously turn it down because I was pregnant again. And I knew that I just couldn't keep up with the ins and outs, the long hours, the locations and everything that that movie, you know, would bring about. So I kindly turned it down, but it was a huge compliment, you know? Yeah, that's huge. This is a lot about you. And I think, you know, I just know you, Megan, and because I got to experience you many years ago. And the interesting thing is, is you've never changed. Like you've just been such a, a positive influence and so optimistic. And that's what I love about you. And I remember when we did this competition, I mean, girl, you were all in and there was not anybody close to you, which no. I never, still to this day, I don't understand. And it's still, you know, many years later, because it's 2020 now, and you won that, what, in 2004, this competition? Yeah. 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 
And so, which is crazy about that. And I remember you worked at our salon that we had at that, at that time. And you were, you were always all in. And I remember you you just put your head down and you work. And when you were at school, I didn't even see you. I barely knew you. I just knew that this Megan was a hard worker. And so first of all, where did that come from? Let's talk about why people should be all in and how they should be all in. And so no matter what life is thrown at you, Megan, like you burn the boat. You know, we talk a lot about the analogy of, you know, <laughs> get on the island and burn the boat. Just be all in. Don't have another, uh, another something on the side that's going to distract you from your true dreams, right? So let, let's talk about that. What's the untold story for you? Oh my goodness. I feel like I learned hard work from a young age. You know, my mom was a stay at home, uh, a single mom, you know, not stay at home. Unfortunately, she was a single mom. She had to work multiple jobs. And so I saw from a young age what hard work looked like. And I think I kind of carried that through my life going, I, I don't want to live how she did, you know, cause it was always like grasping at the next thing. And it was a lot of hard work, but you know, she would have liked to have been home with us a little bit more. So I was like, okay, how can I turn this into something positive? And so I learned that that was where I got the hard work from. And you're going to have to bear with me because I'm on 21 rounds of chemo. So I get a little, I, my thoughts like run off one way and then I have hey, to catch we'll be them on perfect together. for each other because I'm the same <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't, I don't have an excuse though. 55, I'm 55. <laughs> And my disclaimer at the very beginning should be chemo brain is a real thing. So I've got chemo brain and mommy brain on top of that. But anyway, so from my mom, I learned about hard work and I don't know. I just, it's in me. I can't really explain how you learn it. It's just there. And like you said, I go all in and I'm really realizing that about myself from then up until now. So when you announce that competition, you know, I always say, say yes, because you never know what's on the other side of that. So I was like, this is my chance. I can win a free trip. I didn't know that my whole life was in front of me from just saying yes in that moment. But it was like, I got to go. So yeah, I, I pulled in my mom. I, my mom worked at the gas company across the street. I pulled in everybody. And you're right, Tina, like nobody came close. And to this day, I go, you know, I'm standing here as a hairstylist in television and film. I may not be what you want to do. This may not be your end goal, but I hope that you can take something from my journey and apply it to whatever it is you want to do. So for me, it was just saying yes to something I was unsure of, that I was afraid of, that I, I didn't know what would come of it. And yeah, I felt vulnerable and scared, but it was like, why not? You know? And it, ultimately was the best decision and like most life-changing decision I've ever made. So I sold the shit out of some pomegranate hair products. <laughs> I think you sold everything that we had in that whole space. <laughs> and so it was so awesome. Oh my gosh, there's so many routes we could go on this. I because what I see so often with people and, and I think of myself, Megan. And so my mom was a stay at home mom and I wanted to be just the opposite. And so, so you were kind of like being the opposite, but you still knew the standard, right? And so I knew the standard. And so I watched my parents, I watched my dad, he traveled all the time. I do more of what my dad does, right? And so mm -hmm. I watched him and I watched my mom and it's interesting 
how we're created by what we're seeing with our parents. And so, you know, and it's so awesome to hear that story about your mom, like what a fighter she was, you know, to be a single parent and then to have children that turned out as incredible as you. And I just, I just applaud her uh, for, you know, just raising such an incredible human being. And so what was that for you that you would say that you saw uh, with your mom, uh, with your family that you were like, you know what, this is that untold story for me. This is how I made that shift. Cause I knew for me, I wanted to change a lot of things about the generations that we've had in our family. And I want to change some of the addictions and some of the behavior and the patterns that I would see. And I thought, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be uncommon. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to pivot a different way and still maintain an incredible relationship with my parents and my family, which I'm so blessed to have my parents still alive oh. in their 80s. I know. And uh, it's just so blessing to be able to, you know, be able to go through life with them. And so what would you say that would be for you that's untold that allowed you to pivot and to go into a different direction? I think I knew early on that I didn't want to almost work the way my mom did, if that makes any sense. I wanted to work as hard as she did but I wanted to enjoy it along the way. And I take, and I hope that comes off as a compliment to my yeah. mom because I did learn so much from her and she did the best she could do with what she had. And that is incredible. And that's what I've taken with me through all of these years. But I just knew that I wanted to enjoy the journey along the way. So you can put in the hard work, but it's like you have to be able to stop and enjoy those moments. But I will tell you that I think relationship with your parents, it's an evolution. It evolves as you go through things. And I think now, however many years later, what, 15 years later, since I moved from home and going through what we have gone through together this past year has brought us even closer. And in some ways, you know, my mom will want to say things like, I feel like in some ways this is my fault. I caused this to happen to you. And I said, mom, if anything, you taught me how to work hard and to never give up. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I love that, Megan. And I love the rawness and the realness with that because it's so true because that's exactly what our parents do for us, you know? And, and I love the fact that you can even stop and realize that. And the one thing I love about you is the gratitude that you've <laughs> always had. Like you've never like been angry at somebody or been a victim. You've always just had complete gratitude, you know, no, no matter what. And so I think that's incredible. And I remember with my parents at one time, I remember writing them this text messages for an entire week, just to tell them all the things that I loved about them. And I, I think sometimes what happens with, um, with kids, especially that were my age, right? They, all they want to do is point out everything that their parents did wrong. And I thought, gosh, I sure hope my kids don't do that because I know I'm not going to be perfect. And so I'm like, I better, better give back to my parents now so that my kids do the same thing with me. <laughs> and so I just kept like telling them how much I love them. And I think at that moment that honestly that week, I think it was kind of a turning point for us 
where they were like, you know what, she really does value me. And we have to remember our parents are human beings. They're not God. They're not perfect. And, and I remember after Brianna was born, my first child, I called my mom and I said, I'm so sorry for not being a good daughter to you. And I just, yeah. I'm so glad. Thank you for Thank you for sticking it out and raising me. <laughs> and, so, and I'm sure you can kind of think about that too. And now that I'm a grandma, the same thing, like I get it now. And just like honoring people where they're at, like that culture of honor and not a culture of control, of trying to control our parents or control people, the way they respond to us and the way they react. And that's something I've noticed with you, Megan, and I believe leadership starts at home and you've led well that way uh, with your family and then seeing you cart yourself from Michigan to California and stay like that's a rarity. My, my son didn't stay very long. He was like, I'm going back to my family. You know, <laughs> and he just moved back to Florida just this year before right as quarantine hit, you know, cause yeah. California is a hard place to live, but you're all in like you burned the boat. <laughs> I'm all in. I left Michigan 15 years ago and was like, with what did I say? Uh, a $4,000 personal loan. I, I, that I had to get my friend's sister to co sign on because that's how desperate I was. I was like grasping at everything and anything I could get to get me to California. Now, signing California. Yeah, why, what drew you to California? Like, what was that all in? Because so many people, like all my students, I'm not even kidding from Michigan because they want to get out of Michigan, but they never do. Because, <laughs> yeah, they just don't have like, what, talk to that person right now. How will they know that they, they got to just burn the boat and be all in and bet on themselves? Because I believe in order to take that big leap, you have to bet on yourself, like what you just did. And I'll, I'll never forget, we used a loan to buy our first Paul Mitchell school. We couldn't afford the franchise at all. I had mm -hmm. to use like a line of credit and and just every penny, every dollar, every mortgage, we've mor mortgaged our homes for every school that we've done, you know, every salon. Yeah. And so, but we're all in because we're in this forever. Like we've burned the boat, you know? And so talk about that. Like, what do they need to do to be all in and to really make their dream come true? What's made, made you do that? I feel like you first have to believe in yourself because nobody else will. So I knew from the very beginning that if I was moving, I was willing to do anything and everything that it took within my morals, you know, that it, you know, that it took to stay in California. But I also was very clear on my goals. Like I knew from early on that I wanted to live in a major city. Now it wasn't just, I wanted the picture perfect idea of that, but I knew that I wanted to be close to the ocean if I could and be where the lights are and, you know, do something different. And you're right. Like when I left, I knew that I wasn't coming back. There wasn't that option to come back. I was like, okay, here's what I have to do. Now I moved out there. I got a job at a restaurant, which is not why I moved out there. I worked to be a, a hairstylist for television and film. How could I be in a restaurant? That wasn't my goal. Well, guess what? It's all like a stepping stone. It's a stepping block. It's like you have to continuously move forward with whatever that is. So for me, it was, I got to pay my bills. Well, okay, I'll get a job in a restaurant. I want to be, you know, a television and film hairdresser. Okay, well, so I was assisting for free a celebrity hairstylist, Dean Van Oitz, And 
And so I knew that I would take my extra time to assist him. And then from there, I started doing house calls because if you don't use it, you lose it. So I just was willing to do anything and everything to help make me a little bit better. And if that meant that I had to work in a restaurant to pay my bills, well, guess what? Made me a little bit better, a little bit more responsible, a step forward to my future. It's not easy. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I'm not here to say that hard work is easy. Achieving your goals is easy. Moving across the country is easy because it's not. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's saving your life. You know, it, none of it is easy. But if you stop and you are in a place to receive and you can keep your eyes and your heart open, then you're going to get a lot of good along the way. How did you know that it was your purpose to serve celebrities? Like, where did that come from? Because, I mean, I, I see all these hands go up, like, this is what I want to do, but it's not really what they want to do. Because if they did, they would be all in like you, and they would have burned the boat, you know? Because yeah. it's possible. Like, if Megan can yeah. do it, anybody can do it, right? <laughs> well. Let's do this. <laughs> I know. I That's such a good question, Tina, because... I'm trying to think hard on chemo brain um, when that moment switched for me or how I knew, because you're right. Like I, I, I didn't, yeah. I don't think I did know exactly what I was getting myself into when I left. So, you know, I got a touch of it. I think when coming, when moving, I'm um, sorry, I got a touch of it when I assisted Dean from the trip that I had won through your school. I got to meet Kelly Clarkson and Clay Aiken and Ryan Seacrest and go behind the scenes of American Idol. And so I, I got a little taste. Now, I didn't touch any hair. So for me, what I have learned is that your personality is everything. Your honesty, your love, your gratitude, who you are as a person will get you farther than if I'm a good hairdresser, if I'm good at this. Because... Really, at the end of the day, I've been hired mostly on the idea of, okay, you're, you're, you're a good hairdresser, but you're a nice person. We'd rather have the nice person than the amazing hairdresser at the time. Like you said, like I got a taste of that when I assisted Dean. So just that little taste gave me the fire that I needed to move forward. And yeah. I think that's when I knew. That is when I knew. It's so cool because I didn't know either that I wanted to be involved in the Palmetto School world until I met Wynn and John Paul. And so when you connect with higher-minded people, it's like, wow, I didn't even know these type of people existed in this world. Like, this is incredible. And sometimes it has to take, you know, moving across country. And they're all from California too, right? So it's just incredible to be able to see, you know, that you did the same thing. And so I want to talk about a couple things because – you hit on some really, really great stuff. And I think first and foremost, to be all in, you have to believe in yourself. Where, where did that come for you, Megan? Because I don't believe there's any way, shape or form, I would have done that at 18. No way. I mean, I was struggling, you know, mentally. I, I was a victim of my own circumstances and my own head in that in those years. And, you know, it wasn't until years later that my mindset started to get cleaned up, you know? So how did you believe in yourself? What's that untold story for you? I think I didn't realize that I was believing in myself for years later. Now looking back, oh, mm -hmm. I believed in myself when I moved to California. 
I believed in myself when I left Dean after working for him for three years, him riding on his coattails, I had to take that jump. So looking back, I realized that I was believing in myself then, but now it's like, I, I feel like when I first had to make that jump consciously to believe in myself was when I left Dean. So I assisted Dean for three years. I moved out to California for Dean. Um, and so I worked with him for three years. I had to sell a little bit of my soul, you know, which I think you do when you move to California or when you, you know, work underneath somebody. And so you have to, you know, I sold a little bit of that, but I gained so much more. I learned to grow a backbone. I learned to not take things so personally. I I continued to learn more about what hard work looks like and what that gets you. But when I finally was like, Dean, I love you. I've learned as much as I could, but I got to take a chance on myself. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that was at the end of the road, but I knew what hard work was. I knew that I was willing to do it at whatever level I needed to do it at. And if that meant taking a slightly step back to take a giant leap forward, then that's what I was willing to do in that moment because I had to believe in myself to know if this is, you know, where I'm meant to be. So good. We've been talking about the book uh, a lot because I did a mastermind. It's called The Big Leap. It's by Kate Gay Hendricks, which is exactly mm. what you did. Like you took that big leap, right? Because you knew what your zone of genius was and you're like, okay, in order to really make this happen, I knew I had to do this. And so I think there's an untold story in that one too, but you, you hit hard on a couple things that I think we should talk about because I think we should talk about the reality of being a celebrity hairdresser because I think oh I'm going to get the red carpet rolled out for me and you were giving the reality when you're teaching uh, teaching to our students and I thought you know what I think they need to hear that first and foremost like you need to know and I remember my daughter when I said hey you know we have connections if you want to get out and work with celebrities if you want to do that because being a part of the Palmetto School Network as you know like you can be in it like tomorrow. Okay so quick like you had to fight for it a lot harder than anyone else that would have to do it now but she was I know. Like, heck no I'm not gonna live that life you know and so she knew she saw it and she was like oh heck no and so talk about that a little bit because I think we need to hear that reality of what the day in and day out life looks like thanks for that because I think alongside of the social media side of things. It, I think it coincides with that. You only see the good, you see the positive things, which is great. And so from the outside perspective, being a celebrity hairstylist is fun. You get to do fun things. You get to travel around the world. You get to be a part of the VIP. And, and again, those benefits are amazing. But the path to get there is gruesome, you know? You, a lot of times, even as an assistant, you may look at somebody you're mentoring and go, oh, I would do that differently. Oh, I would get there differently. I would, you know, and you want to speak up because it's the creative side in you, but really you have to just take that back seat and learn and, and observe quietly and educate yourself. So there's that mentoring side of things and assisting side of things of the celebrity world. And then you hop into maybe my position where I get to do haircuts and colors on celebrities and styles for certain shows. And, and again, while it's 
fun and I, I do love the art of television and film and creating those hairstyles for different projects, I sit on set for 12 to 16 hours a day away from my family and my friends. I pee in porta potties. I do night shoots three weeks in a row where I'm not even on the same clock as my friends and family and I'm tired and it's unhealthy for your body. I'm sitting on a cold stage in the middle of summer with a down jacket up to my ears because it's that cold. So there is a lot of, you know, not so amazing things that you think of when you think of being a celebrity hairdresser. So, you know, again, I love what I do. So I think that's the beauty of it, but you have to love it in order to deal with the not so pretty things. Yeah. You know, we had taken over Ken Pavis's salon, who was a celebrity hairdresser. And so Brianna got to work with him. And so more and more we'll see that it's usually single men that take on that life uh, because they can travel more and a woman, you know, wanting to have children, it's a whole different, you know, story. And so I remember my daughter saying, oh, heck no, I want to have children. I want to stay home. But you've been able to do it all, Megan. Like you just been all in. And I love what you said because it's so funny because people will come to me and say, I want to be you. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I don't think you do. <laughs> or can I follow you around for the day? And I'm like, it's kind of boring. Like, you know, you don't really, I'm on Zoom calls all day. I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm on meetings. And my life is kind of boring. It doesn't, you know, once in a while, I might be on stage speaking, which is the exciting part. We're doing a podcast like right now with Megan, the Megan Herrera. Shout oh, yeah. out, you know? <laughs> but those are few and far between, you know what I mean? And so it's that law of sacrifice. And, and I love that story for you because you said something earlier. You may not have known that you said it, but you said, um, I had to go and sell a little of my soul. Talk about that because, you know, you can't leave your soul at, you know, at home, you know? And so that's where I think a lot of people get that unbalanced feeling because people will say to me, how do you stay balanced? Well, I try not to leave my soul at home, you know? And yeah. talk about that, uh, the reality of that, uh, Megan, so that people know. Well, I think making a big move away from everything that you're comfortable with and moving to a big town and into this industry, it's one of those things where it will make or break you. And so sometimes I feel like, yes, we have our soul and that's who we are as a person, but sometimes you have to sell a little bit of it, I feel like, to get a bigger part of it back. So like sometimes, like I said, you would maybe be assisting somebody or taking the back seat and building them up, you know, like I would do hairstyles that, you know, were on a team of people and maybe my name wouldn't be the name of the team and it wouldn't be, you know, that sort of thing. So now somebody else is getting credit for my work and that's okay because at, at the end of the day, like it takes a village as Dean always says, and it's a team. A lot of what I do in town is team based. So it's really like you, I think that's what I mean. Like you sell a little bit of your soul because you're not always going to get the credit that you deserve, but it, you don't need the credit if you're getting that outlet. And if you're with people you love and you, you know, are comfortable with who you are. So it's like selling a little bit of your soul at times, but you get a bigger piece of it back. Mm. And I just think if you can be vulnerable enough 
to put yourself in those situations, um, you end up growing a lot more from them. Yeah. And it is vulnerable. It is. It's hard. And it's hard. And so you're almost, you're like a business owner, you know, because you do kind of sell your soul as a business owner. You know, you take a lot of punches, but you can't punch back, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to take it. You have to keep taking the punches. And let's talk about this because I think you hit something deep because as a leader, I see this a lot with our future professionals, team members, that kind of thing that are like, uh, frustrated because they're not getting the credit that they think they deserve right and so you said you had to grow a backbone through that process and not take it personally and uh, because most people will actually leave a company because they don't feel affirmed through that process so talk to that uh, future celebrity celebrity stylist right now uh, you know future team member whatever that is how can you avoid that pitfall, if you will, of kind of getting stuck in that rut, if you will? Oh my gosh, Tina, you touched on something so good right at the beginning of that. And I was like, don't forget about it. Don't forget about it. Don't forget. It's <laughs> okay. I got grandma brain. If you got chemo brain, I got grandma brain. I was like, oh, there it went. Oh, okay. It's okay. Funny. My listeners love this. They love being all over the place. But yeah, just you know that being affirmed, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those love languages that people have, uh, so to speak. But I think in the end, it could really harm you. And how do you get away from that of always wanting to be acknowledged and affirmed? I mean, my goodness, I'll be at a summit and I'm not affirmed for all the work that I do in my schools. I don't win awards, but and I'm so happy when the other school owners do. And I'm just like, okay, so what could I do better so that I could possibly win the award? But if I don't, I'm okay with it. I'm not like mad or jealous or envious, you know what I mean? So I think, like you said earlier, it's a cutthroat business, uh, so to speak. But I think it's a cutthroat business because of that, because of not getting the affirmations that you think you should have. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Like, I feel like I'm, I was, I'm brought up in this generation of before social media yeah. and after social media. So I tell everybody, or most of the students, like, you have instant gratification, we didn't know if somebody loved their haircut or color until they came back six to eight weeks later. You guys know if somebody loves this haircut and color because you got a like on Instagram or they posted their picture immediately leaving the salon. So it's like a, it's a gift in some ways, but then also, like you said, it can hinder you because you want that affirmation. You want that instant gratification, but guess what? That's not life. It isn't. And so you have to put in the hard work and you have to, again, believe in yourself. And so, like you said, it can really hinder people. And I say, like, I really am lucky to be in between because I know what it takes. I know what to expect. And then I also can reap some benefits of getting that social media like at the same time. But it's nice to be able to know both and to be in both because it, you can get, it can get convoluted sometimes when you start looking at that social media side of things. Here you get cancer and you're just like, I'm all in, I'm going to fight this sucker, you know, and you're getting on there and all of a sudden you're on social media. You've never been on social media. And I'm like, Megan, look at you. Who's this woman? <laughs> like, I'm so proud of you. And so talk about that, the emotional intelligence, because I believe 
that's the thing of you just believing in yourself is helping you to fight this thing, you know, just incredibly yeah. well. Thank you. I feel like though this has been something that I, it's taken 15 years, over the course of 15 years for me to learn. And I can say probably half my time in, so about six, seven years ago, I started going like, oh, I'm grateful. I am so grateful to be where I am. I am grateful to still be in California, even if it was hard, even if it wasn't always easy. It's like, I am grateful even uh, for the not so good moments. And it's so, and listen, I know that I can be kind of annoying that I take every negative and can turn it into a positive. It's kind of an annoying quote, uh, quality about myself, but it's the, what keeps me up. And so again, I always try to remain grateful for every single moment. And that's not easy though. Like it's, I love that you say that like I'm out there and I'm saying positive, even with this cancer diagnosis, but it is a wave. And you know, I did start a YouTube channel when I was diagnosed because I knew that a lot of people loved and cared about me because I felt that way about so many people. And I knew that I wasn't going to text, going to email. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? Well, it's like one day a thought came to mind and it was like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And so it's now become this outlet uh, for me to show the highs and the lows of what happens. Now, I don't show too low because it is very, very vulnerable, but I do think that there's a lot of reality in what we do in this life, and it isn't always high. And so if you can be grateful for those lows, then I think that's, um, you know, a turning point. That's a, a, a room to grow. That's a, the room to succeed. You know, I feel like we succeed in our vulnerabilities, to be honest with you. Wow. Okay. You know what I put down? I put down um, how to build emotional intelligence, according to Megan. And I totally agree with this. And I'm going to steal it for the rest of my life. Number one is gratitude for the highest highs and gratitude for the lowest lows. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's that untold story? Like, how do you have gratitude for lows? And, and I, I do remember, and it's, it's crazy and had built up to 2014 when I got diagnosed with a precancerous lesion. And I knew with a major surgery, it could be gone. I didn't know for sure, you know, until they did the surgery. And, and so it was, thank God, but I immediately went to complete gratitude at that moment, Megan, because I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to be able to help and save people's lives. And so I did like inadvertently, and I want to talk about your uh, nonprofit that you developed, but I started, be, I became an education ambassador for the organization brightpink.org. Mm -hmm. And it actually, because most women don't know how to prevent breast and ovarian cancer. And so with your, let's talk about your nonprofit, because I want to make sure people get on that right away. And and talk about what it is, um, how are you raising money for it, and how is it bringing hope to people? And, and I love it because you've got to jump in. It, it's a part of emotional intelligence. It's an outlet. Like when you're helping people, uh, all of a sudden you get helped. And I love that you immediately became a contributor through, through all of your adversity and this trial that you're Thanks. going through. So let's talk about that. Love beats all. Yeah, I knew that when I was diagnosed at 35 years old, Tina, I had, I had it all. I had everything that I had moved out to California, like every goal I had, I had, I was 
worked towards for 15 years. It was the career, it was the two children, it was the home in San Diego, a marriage that I fought for, you know, it's all of those things to four months postpartum getting diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And I knew that this had to be happening to me for a much bigger reason. And that's all I could hold on to. That's all I could believe in. And so from there, that's where Love Beats All came through. And I have to correct you for a second because we are not a nonprofit. We were guided. Um, we were guided to become a for-profit company. Okay. So we are a for-profit company with a nonprofit mission. Wow. So hopefully this week way we can make a bigger difference uh, later down the line. Um, and then, yeah, and then also as somebody who is uh, sick starting a nonprofit, there is a lot of red tape and things like that. So we were guided um, to go this direction, which has been great. So love beats all. Love Beats All is my love letter to everyone, including you, Tina, that have come through when I got sick. You know, it was so hard for me to imagine that all these people were sending us love of, uh, you know, small to big, money to no money, cards, texts, like whatever it was, like there was so much love coming in. And I couldn't believe that all these people were doing this just because I was being nice. And so that's where I go back to, you know, I back up and say, you know, your, your personality, your integrity is everything, you know, because at the end of the day, if you are a nice person, like you will get the job. You will get the goal. You will get the husband, the wife, the kids, if that's what you want. So it's like, be nice because you never know when one day that person will save your life. So my love letter to all of those people was to creating Love Beats All because I knew in that moment that not everybody had the resources that I had given to me so graciously by all of you. So here we are. I don't know who starts a company when they're diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. I don't know that I recommend it for everybody as a cure, <laughs> but for me, it will save my life. It has been a beautiful distraction to so much ugly that has happened this last year. And it has really given me a lot of hope to be able to give back at the amount that we were given. Wow. Oh my gosh, what a brilliant idea because I know so many people who want to start like these nonprofits, but I love the thought process that you are for profit with a nonprofit mission. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother story. Like we could go off on a whole nother hour <laughs> just on this, which I'm kind of excited about because you know how much I love business. And so yeah. I coach entrepreneurs as well. And so what a brilliant idea. Talk to someone right now that's interested in starting a nonprofit. I know my director in Sterling Heights is, so maybe she needs to do a for-profit with a nonprofit mission. Talk to them right now, um, you know, like why you started it, how you're running it, and uh, just give some advice, you know, in 30 seconds or less. Just kidding. I <laughs> know, oh, 30 seconds or less. Oh, that's pressure because we know I can talk. Um, I love you. First, I feel like if you can just stop or or receive, like you guys, I don't know if anybody out there believes in this, but like you hear things, you see signs. Certain times you're like, oh, where? Oh, that's a thought that just came to me. Write those thoughts down and just keep moving forward. And I think like if you are out there going, I want a nonprofit, and 
to help these people and but what this but what if that but what if this and and for me like i said we were guided to do a for-profit and the reason being is that you know there can be some red tape it no longer becomes megan's nonprofit. it's the property of the state so shall anything happen to me it doesn't get passed down to my family or friends that are working alongside of me so for me i was like great i could have a for-profit company with a nonprofit mission so um, you know, I did feel guilty in the beginning because I said, well, I don't want to make money off of people's misfortunes. And somebody goes, well, do you want to feel guilty and do nothing about it? Or do you want to feel guilty and maybe make some money to help save your life and, you know, help other people? And I was like, oh, okay. So like people say, do it scared. Well, do it guilty if you have to. Just take one foot in front of the other that gets you closer to that end goal. And that's what Love Beats All has been, you know. I think people in the beginning looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, I have to do something with this. I have to give back. And I think, you know, my friends were like, oh, here she goes. She's kind of crazy. What does she think she can do? <laughs> but all we've done is, is followed the path. We haven't pushed anything outside of our comfort zone. We agreed on that from the very beginning. And like you said, Tina, we could talk about it for hours. I would love to share all the little moments that have happened along the way that have fallen into place. And I think if you stop and stay focused and follow your heart and put one foot in front of the other, that's how you do it. And I don't know, we, it's just, we want to be that support along the way. That's incredible. I, I'll never forget, um, and I was so grateful that I was uh, diagnosed with this cancer uh, because it opened up my eyes to see the people that were really struggling. And a friend of mine got breast cancer and it was actually stage four breast cancer. She's, she fought through it. it it's incredible what she's a fighter too, like you. I can't wait to have her on my podcast. Uh, but the interesting thing was, is even her neighbor, she was so she was so frustrated because her neighbor didn't even come over and to even talk to her. And, but what people don't realize is how scared people are of that word cancer. And so, like you said, it's just like giving a face, like, let's talk about this. And I remember just even talking to my students about it. Cause every year I do this bright pink workshop, Megan, and even talking to them and giving them an avenue to even talk about it, that maybe they never even told anybody that their aunt or their mom had breast cancer. And now they're finally talking about it and they've got tears coming down and it's just, it's beautiful. And I wanted to give that avenue too, because that C word that nobody would say, you know, but it's a reality and the support is incredible. I love that you're doing that with what you're doing. What a brilliant idea and to start this community because it's so, so, so needed. It's only been in the nonprofit world and it needs to come into the for-profit because I think people will get better care too and better attention. I do too. And, and you know, it's like you said, like uh, Instagram is changing the face of, you know, all that we've known. And so it's like, why can't we change the face of cancer? Why can't we do that? And it doesn't, it's not an age thing. It's just the fighters and survivors and caregivers now, like in it, cancer is not comfortable, but I can tell you this, that like the uncomfortable conversations that I have had about cancer with other people, I have as hard as they are, as emotional as they are, I have walked away from them learning it and being able to survive a little bit longer because of them. 
And so I think it's so important that we share. And some people, like everybody's journey is different. Everybody's. And we completely respect that at Love Beats All. And like I said, we're here if you need a cancer dictionary because you've got people spouting out all these words at you when you first get diagnosed and you have no idea what they mean. And so I think what's been awesome about the YouTube is that I'm not on there to say like, I know everything from a statistic standpoint and medical point of view. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Like I'm going to break it down in Megan's terms. <laughs> and so I think that's been good for people. So we did that through our cancer dictionary. And again, we're here to support you if you want to do some recommended therapies alongside your treatment that are safe. If you want to know how the mind body connection works, we're here. If you want a playlist to listen to for when you want to turn your tears, you know, into something powerful or your fears, or if you just want to sit and cry one day, because that's what you need to do to get to the next day. We're here for it all. And we are continuously growing. And I'm really excited to be able to share it with you, Tina, because you inspire me. Like what you have grown since I met you is where I want to be one day, you know, you have built this beautiful empire around you. And like I said, if we can all get a little bit more Tina in our life, <laughs> I just need more Megan. This is it. You just got to be all in. Like you, you know, you were born for this. And so that's the question to ask yourself, look in the mirror. Was I born for this? If you weren't, then get out and move on, right? Now yeah. is the time to do it in 2020. Get that vision right now. And so you hit something so, so hard. So I put down for emotional intelligence to grow. You've got to have gratitude for the highest highs and the lowest lows. And the second thing that I put down was you've got to have some sort of outlet. And I love that you said that because immediately what came to my mind was whatever we're going through, we're going through for other people. So instead of staying in that victim mindset, immediately go to, okay, this happened because I'm supposed to help save people's lives. And so talk to that person, whatever they've gone through, how can they use that to build their emotional intelligence, right? Because that's everything. And, uh, but to help other people, what advice would you give them? You know, we say like love beats all. And like, so we've had people say to us like, well, what if it doesn't? Or, or yes. I don't believe in that. And so I just say like love beats all, even if it's just for another day. And I, and I learned recently as well through this journey is that fear can't live in the present day. And if it does, it's just for a short time. Fear lives in the future and it lives in the past. And so it's like, if we go into the what ifs all the time, what if, what if my job doesn't come back? Because you guys, Hollywood is not back. And also let me tell you, that's how I get my health insurance to keep fighting stage four colon cancer. So I could sit here and just live in that fear all day, every day. And it is exhausting, but I choose not to. So I feel like life is about making choices and we can sit here and live in fear all day, or we could live in the present day, deal with what's at hand and, and turn it into something positive and make sure you love one thing a day. If you're going to fear one thing a day. Yeah, that's so powerful. What great advice, because I think so many people are quarantining themselves to no avail. They're just not living 
and because they're just having so much fear and I've been watching, you know, this whole process and same thing that could happen with you, but you just been living. You're like, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep living. And what a powerful thing you said. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Cause I think it's part of self care. And I love when you talk to our students about this, Megan, of really, you said the one thing you learned through all of this was self care. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you saving your life. Hmm. With the mom life and the wife life and the work life is just out of this world. And I thought I knew what hard work was until now. And with inside that hard work, and I wished I would have learned this so much earlier on because I do think that I could maybe avoided where I'm at now in some ways. I think that um, I look back on my last 15 years and I told my husband, I go, I didn't live a stress-free life. I pushed myself because I thought that's what it took. And to some extreme it does, but you have to protect yourself. Again, believing in yourself is protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So I wished my, my, I wish for my friends and family to look at me and use me as an example, you know, and don't turn out like me in the sense that I thought I could do it all when really I shouldn't have. I did. I could, but I shouldn't have. So for me, self-care is asking for help when I need it. Asking for help maybe before I need it. I also, you know, so reading and taking those moments for myself, if that means asking for help for five minutes, for an hour, for the day, that's what it takes. And so again, you know, I, my message to all of your employees and students, like moving forward, Corona should have taught us something that we should slow down. And yeah. that we don't need to be pushing ourselves the way we were before. And let's be real, like, we're lucky that our jobs lasted through the Great Depression because we all care about what we look like. But now, like, we are not an essential, but we are when it comes to mental health. So it's like in that level of learning from this experience, like, protect yourself still, you know? And people will come, like you said, like, Let's not go back to our old ways. Let's move forward a healthier, stronger, brighter way. Wow. Okay, this is really powerful. I, I extracted a lot from you here. I'm imagining three circles that were intersected, mom life, wife life, work life, and in the middle is self-care, and that's how you stay balanced, period. And Self-care, and I love this because you, you – but through education, because you got to educate yourself, first of all, it's awareness, right? Yeah. And then education and then action, right? And yeah. so, and I love that you said, live in the feeling of feeling good. Your husband's very smart. I love that. Like just stay in it. And we call it face in the Palmetto School. So find what, what's working, acknowledge it, celebrate, enjoy. That means live in it. Yeah. <laughs> face yourself. Right? My grandson, every time he does something good, he claps for himself. Like, what <laughs> happened to us? Like, we clap, like, for one time. We're like, move it on. Like, we need to do more, you know? And I'm so driven as well. And so I think someone's hearing this right now, like I'm hearing from you too, Megan, is just, like, stop being so, um, I want to I wanna call it like a people pleaser um, and trying to just, like, do everything that everybody wants you to do right? Mm -hmm. That's me. That was me. And, um, you know, I have just actually heard 
right before I got on the phone call with you, I found a friend of mine had just passed away from stage four colon cancer. And um, it's one of those things where you would think that it would force me to be sad and scared, but instead I feel this fire underneath me right now that makes me just want to work harder. Yeah. And it makes me pour my love into La Bital even more. I have fears, Tina, moving forward, like you said, of am I good enough or am I going to please people or are people going to judge me or love beats all is the message going to come through and really at the end of the day I shouldn't care yeah. you know yeah. I should just be here for the people that need help and need love and I and and I thank you for letting me share all of this with you because it, again it's being vulnerable and you grow from it and here we are yeah Oh, wow. This is so powerful. I, I think uh, our next episode will be, be a people challenger because I, I have this 2020, I feel like God told me to help people to stop being people pleasers and help them to become people challengers. And, and I've got to have people stop saying yes to me when they really don't mean yes. <laughs> okay. And mm -hmm. so we're ask for help and I'm the greatest delegator that, that ever lived. Right. And so it's like borrow my belief of delegation. And so the one thing that I did from day one is always ask for help with my kids, having a house cleaner, like things that I hated to do instead of just trying to be, you know, that whatever, that perfect wife, mom, like get rid of the, that perfect mom life, wife, life, work life, and just put self care and the bottom line there was to ask for help. Yes. You have to. Said that. We have a lot worth living for right now. Like in a year from now, like how good, like I'm already told myself that this is going to be a year for our family because it's not going away quickly. And, you know, I can think like, well, I, you know, a lot of things could happen in this year when it's time I should just be able to hug and love my friends and family, but instead the world's not setting us up for that. But how beautiful is it going to be when we get out of this? Tina, I'm going to give you the most long, <laughs> awkward hug you've ever had. Like when you tap out of that hug, I'm still going to be hugging you and probably crying because <laughs> I'm crying thinking about that hug right now. I can feel it. Megan, what last piece of advice do you have for all of our listen listeners on the B-Series? And this is be all in. Last piece of advice to be all in. <laughs> be all in. Yes. <laughs> like Megan. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so much advice there. But I think what is just so true to me is, you know, what we're learning through this time is to do it scared and to just love beats all, even if it's just for another day. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.